I live right adjacent to a lake here in Dallas, and there are these scooters available, and anyone can grab one. They're totally disrupting the place. They're electric scooters, and it's all it is is, you know, you took a scooter and you added a, a, an electric motor to it and sprinkled a little bit of cloud uh, technology, wireless technology, sensor technology, and a little UI interface on your smartphone, and all of a sudden you've got a billion-dollar business. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's happening right now, and it's, it, it is happening at a pace that's just, it, it, it's mind-boggling. But it's really exciting, too. I mean, I, I like to be the one. Hi, and welcome to another episode in Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. And today I have the privilege of having in the studio with me Josh Goodell, Vice President of Intelligent Edge at AT&T. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm doing great, Des. Thanks so much for making time to catch up with me. I've uh, long been looking forward to a, a great chat with you about uh, some of the things you're looking at because you are quite literally at the bleeding edge, if you'll pardon the pun, of everything around edge intelligence and, and uh, edge computing. Vice President of Intelligence Edge at AT&T, uh, can you maybe just give us a quick summary on Intelligence Edge? What is that? If someone hasn't really heard of the term or isn't familiar with the whole concept of the, the pivot and the transition to edge and edge computing, edge networking. What does it actually mean? And what, what are the details behind sort of, uh, I guess, intelligent edge? Yeah, well, so first of all, the the edge solutions portfolio that, that I've got, it, it's not one thing. Actually, I probably have 25, 26 different uh, products within the overall uh, portfolio. But the way that I think about it is it's really the connective tissue uh, that enables interactive business ecosystems of devices, sensors, applications, and cloud solutions for for our business customers. It's it's a it's a platform. Um, it helps companies manage their workloads edge to edge, ultimately reducing cost and and complexity. And you know the solutions span from. Uh, what I'd say is the local uh, access uh, network or the LAN environment all the way through into to, to the cloud infrastructure. So it's it's a combination of capabilities that, that enables that connective tissue and is that intelligent platform. Uh, reading some of the brief in my own homework, I guess the solution span term you, you used there uh, was probably a great way to describe that, that breadth and depth of what you do around, I guess, you know, everything from... Uh, you know, traditional telco through to the infrastructure and data centers and all the bits in between and the now the edge piece uh, and particularly where we're going with, you know, autonomous things and Internet of Things and sensors and et cetera. Uh, before we dive into that, I wonder if you'd mind uh, if we just get a little personal insight into you as to, you know, where are you originally from? Uh, what was your sort of academic career path like? And how did you come about to be in this role with AT&T? Because I think you've been at AT&T for a couple of decades now, so you've had some exciting roles in there. But can we just get to know you a little bit better first? So, so Dad, you're now making me feel old. It's been 20 years. I, I don't count these years anymore, but it it has been an amazing journey. And I'll go back, you know, to before I joined the company. Um, I went to uh, the University of California at, at Irvine. Grew up in Southern California. Uh, was a kid that loved the beach, loved the ocean, loved the mountains, basically anything outdoors. Um, in college, I was uh, actually a double major. I studied uh, biology and psychology um, and then made a pivot to business and um, started a family. And now, you know, 20 years later, I've had such an amazing ride. Um, you know, I've done everything from uh, large uh, network organizations running. I ran the, the network in the Bay Area for AT&T for some time. I've run uh, consumer 
sales and, and service centers. I've done strategy work. Um, and right now I'm in more of the, the product domain. So I've been around um, the business a few times. Uh, it feels like I've had probably four or five really, really strong careers in the, the time I've been here. And um, I keep telling myself that we're kind of in the, the golden age because as interesting as it has been, I will tell you the, the cycles of innovation are really, really accelerating. And, you know, what I've been doing over the last four years is really driving transformation within AT&T. And so it's been an amazing journey and I've, I've enjoyed it. And I actually think the, uh, the best is, is in front of us. Globally, uh, uh, folk such as yourself, many of your peers, I guess, are saying the same thing, and that is that you know it, it, we're almost at the tipping point where we're going to completely change the world in, in the application technology, particularly things like edge networking, edge computing, AI, etc. Yeah, the concept of edge computing and, and, and processing and, and networking aren't necessarily new concepts, so are they? I mean, uh, these are things that we've sort of been doing in part in various forms for, for a long time. Uh, why do you think we're now talking about this concept of edge in general? Well, I think you're right on. This is a lot of these concepts aren't new. Um, and if I go back probably four years ago, I, I started on the journey that I'm on right now in my current role. And it was at that time really all about evolving the from a more of a physical uh, environment to a virtual environment. And on the computing side, you know, the data center side, we had been through this evolution uh, from, you know, hardware-centric to software-driven, from, you know, long cycle times to near real-time capabilities, from things like fixed capacity to the ability to spin up resources really fast, from, you know, dedicated cost-intensive platforms to more cost-efficient platforms. And I think what has happened over the years, again, this was four or five years ago, is that there have been a few key technologies that have changed the game and really allowed us to take what was previously only possible in in a data center uh, and and compute infrastructures to networking. And those are technologies like um, software-defined networking or network function virtualization. And we've been on this journey now for four years, and we've introduced different capabilities, but they all really hold true to that, that, that evolution. And, you know, I think we're, we're not done with these evolutions either, and it will be kind of the next, I think, convergence of technologies that are going to probably come together to, to really, you know, drive the next wave. So it's been, it's been fascinating. I've, I've been um, at this now uh for for a while and i've seen kind of waves of evolution whether it's you know software defined um access services to virtualized routers to you know sd wan capabilities i've seen these trends and what's amazing to me is how quickly it's happening it just feels like it's continuing to accelerate there's some big things i'm really keen to get your insights on with regards to what's going to happen around 5g and the iot I mean, you're literally at the bleeding edge uh, of this space as a provider of both the infrastructure and, I guess, the research and development and the professional services to implement some of these things. With the customers you're working with, what kinds of trends are you seeing and, and where is the focus? Where are the big standout areas that you're seeing currently around your team with the focus on edge and edge intelligence? 
So first of all, what's interesting, and I've, I've seen this uh, play out a few times, is it's not typically any one technology that drives transformation, by the way. And, and, and you know, you look at IoT, IoT is a great example of that. IoT is, you know, the advancement of really efficient batteries, the um, uh, cloud computing element, um, you know, sensor technology evolution. Um, and I think that there'll continue to be additional technologies that will come together. And again, it's not just one technology that I think is going to change the game. It's the confluence of these things. So for example, you know, I do expect that the number of connected, smart connected things or IoT devices is going to continue to proliferate. Um, cloud as a technology is um, mature, but I think that the, the evolution of cloud is going to continue as well from, you know, hybrid cloud environments and pushing, you know, workloads closer and closer to the customer to enable low, uh, low latency um, to, you know, the next generation of software-defined networks. And 5G actually is a software-defined wireless network and the ability to, um, you know, drive uh, applications that are software-defined on a 5G wireless network, I think, is going to change the game and then you've got, I think, another really interesting technology trend that I see, which is the convergence of the, the LAN and the LAN environments um, and the physical uh, environment and, and virtual environments starting to merge and the blurring of lines between, you know, what you can do with a private uh, Wi-Fi network, as an example, versus a, a private cellular network on the premise. And I think that it's going to be the combination of all these things that are going to drive, I think, the next uh, wave of, 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 of transformation and, and technology adoption. You know, in, in addition to that, the other thing that I see is that the, the human-machine interface is starting to evolve, and you start to see things like augmented reality as an example of that or virtual reality as an example of that, and you combine that with very fast um, network, wireless networks, 5G networks, and you know what I think is the next evolution of cloud computing, which is pushing closer to the customer and reducing latency. You put all of these things together, and I think there'll be use cases that we haven't even thought of yet. No, absolutely. I remember when Pokemon came out recently and had the augmented reality virtual sort of virtual reality game, and I looked at it and realized, hang on a second, we're, we've just, you know, Pokemon with the uh, augmented reality running around catching Pikachu in the street was kind of training the next generation of uh, AR experts to use it for things like uh, fixing everything from a router and a switch and a firewall to uh, curating uh, data in, in virtual space, which made me laugh. Are there any big standouts that you've had of late uh, around where customers are just coming to you and saying they just need your team yeah. and your expertise because they can't do it themselves. It's not their core business. So, so first of all, Des, I got to give you credit for pulling out the Pokemon example. <laughs> I mean, br brilliant example. And by the way, I just have to go back. I won't forget your question. I promise. But I have to go back to that example because how quickly did that explode? Like it literally took off like over a weekend. And I remember looking at network traffic um, and wondering what these little, you know, these little peaks were in our network traffic that was a little bit unnatural. 
And lo and behold, it was this Pokemon thing that it that that took off. It, it it was it literally happened in a matter of days. The other example that I think is kind of interesting. I live right adjacent to a lake here in Dallas, and there are these scooters available, and anyone can grab one. They're totally disrupting the place. They're electric scooters, and it's all it is is you know you take a scooter and you added a, a an electric motor to it and sprinkled a little bit of cloud uh, technology, wireless technology, sensor technology, and a little UI interface on your smartphone, and all of a sudden you've got a billion dollar business. You know that's the kind of stuff that's happening right now, and it's it it is happening at a pace that's just it, it it's mind boggling but it's really exciting too. I mean, I, I like to be the one who's enabling our business customers to disrupt with those types of, that type of combination of, of technology. And that's ultimately at the end of the day, Edge Solutions is all about enabling our business customers to be, become disruptors in whatever they do. Um, I will tell you, going back to your original question, I had to pause on the Pokemon comment because I love, I love that analogy. You know, I think in general, there are certain themes that I hear over and over again with our business customers. One, they are looking for agility. Um, They're looking for the ability to move really quickly because all those examples that we just talked about, whether it's Pokemon or those scooters, those are are kind of fun examples. But think about, you know, if you're in the hospitality space and all of a sudden you're competing with Airbnb as an example – you know, you need agility. You need solutions that are going to allow you to move very, very quickly. Um, you, you need flexibility. Um, the, because the future is coming at our, our customers so quickly, they need the ability not just to move quickly, but to, to, to be flexible. I'd say the other thing that is happening, and it kind of tracks with, you know, the trends that we're seeing with the adoption of cloud, I think over 90% of our customers are, have adopted cloud in some way, shape, or form, is that they're looking for application performance. Um, all the way from the, the interface, which is you know a device or, or an application that's sitting out on the premise, into a cloud environment. And that, without exception, is a priority for our business customers. And then... You know, I think the other thing that's going on, and it's not unique to our business customers, we see it on our own core network, is that the bottom line is that traffic is growing on 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 any uh, any network that's out there. It's driven by mobility. It's driven by video. We've had something like 250,000% increase of data traffic on our core network. Well, when I talk to customers, they may not have seen 250,000 increase in traffic on their networks, but they are seeing a, a an increase in the payload, and they need a way to efficiently handle that and do it economically and do it with with a, a, a lot of speed. So those are themes that the customers that I talk to, they may not call them out in those exact words, but I hear them over and over again. Yeah, I guess the, the key takeaway from all of that and at risk of selling the AT&T story is that I, I get the sense from, from having spoken to a number of people in the market over the last couple of weeks prior to us catching up here so that I'd done my homework, the general sense that I'm getting from folk that are working with you is that they've realized all those things you've said, they want the agility, they want cost effectiveness, they want performance. But the one thing that really jumped out at me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is companies are realizing that 
they need to stick to their core business. They need to stick to their knitting, as they say. So if you're a retailer, they want to focus on retail. They don't want to be building computer rooms anymore. They don't want to be building their own voice systems. They don't want to be building any of this data center infrastructure. They want to come to the people who know how to do it. And I, I imagine that there's a sense now where people are just picking up the phone or coming and meeting with your team and saying, we're a hotel chain or we're a transport logistics or aviation and that's our core business and we, we're going to stop trying to be a phone company. How can you help us? Yeah, I um, I think you're 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 right on. And you know, earlier in in our chat, we were talking about technology drivers, technology change that's happening. And I talked about things like, you know, the proliferation of connected things or IoT devices or cloud adoption or, you know, continued evolution of software-defined networks from, you know, wired to wireless, which is you know with 5G enabled. All of these things. Um, if not managed holistically, actually can add complexity to a customer's network. I mean, just think about the complexity of managing all of those IoT devices. Um, if you don't have a holistic way of thinking about that, a, a systematic way of thinking about those challenges, then businesses are, are, are going to struggle. And the bottom line is businesses are not in business to manage complex um, networks or technology transformation, they're typically doing something else. They have a core competency in another area. And I think what is unique about what we can bring to the table is that we can be that uh, transformation partner and we can help uh, enable that transformation um, and be a trusted provider. And for those customers that are global, which many of many of our customers are, the ability to do that all over the world is a really, really big deal. Um, because at the end of the day, it's really it's not about point solutions. It's not about you know one uh, fancy uh, technology that can solve one problem. It's about a holistic approach that ultimately is about enabling the business to do what they're good at. I'm seeing in the market now that uh, you know people are recognizing this with AT&T, and, and there are a couple of things that I'll just call out uh, without going into a lot of detail on, because I know we're, we're, we don't have the time to do it in, in depth. There are probably a whole show in their own right. But a uh, new edge intelligence leadership report that's uh, available on the AT&T business website that I was just reading, uh, talking about, uh, I think from memory, uh, there was they, they interviewed something like you know, nearly 800, I think it was 795 business leaders around the world and, and looked at some of the things that were uh, either concerning them or driving demand for them or, or areas that they wanted to grow into. And there were some, some usual ones of, you know, you know, keep the cost down, get better operational efficiency and tie to market and, and, you know, slightly innovative business models. They're fine. They're, they're sort of, you know, table stakes. But what was interesting is they're all the things you're talking about that, um, you know, in many ways people think are, you know, future technologies, but, you know, the, the whole blockchain, Internet of Things, uh, I guess, big data analytics and robotics. I mean, these are things that people are dealing with today. And uh, I was reading um, this uh, thought leadership piece that's been published and, and all the things that you're talking about, you know, the emergence of 5G, AI and machine learning being rolled out, robotics. These are the things that uh, in the last 12 months people ranked in their sort of top 10 things. There's also a separate report from IDC, I think it was the IDC Ma uh, Marketscape report, where a lot of what you're working in in the edge space of the world and software-defined networking and WANs, they recognized uh, a whole bunch of your strengths that are coming out. And so I think this really goes to what you're talking about, that is that uh, you're not out there just sort of talking about it. You're actually uh, 
you're delivering these things. Companies are coming to you and, and imp you're implementing them today. And I guess that's something that I'm really keen to get your, your thoughts on around the preparedness yeah. that, that clients have got. I, you know, are pre companies prepared for that now? Are they, they leaping on it? Have we sort of moved past that tipping point where I think I want to do it too, now I really do need to do it? Yeah, I think that, first of all, adoption is, is happening. Um, you know, some of the technologies that we've, we've talked about, software-defined WAN, as an example, and the MarketScape um, uh, uh, publication actually double-clicks on that. Um, this is a technology that I would say maybe two years ago companies were experimenting with. Now we see a market that's white-hot. Yeah, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Um, and I, I think that uh, the reality is, you know, one of the interesting um, elements of, of our approach is it's not just about delivering that technology. Again, it's um, being able to do so at global scale. And we're getting to a point with our capabilities where we've deployed um, the, that particular solution um, uh, across the globe. Um, one of our virtualized uh, uh, services is called Flexware. And so the technology itself is being adopted. Um, it's being adopted in the United States, being adopted across the globe. And one of the things that I like to think that, you know, differentiates AT&T is that we can enable that at pretty much any uh, scale across probably, you know, 200 plus countries. Um, the, the other thing, Des, that I wanted to talk a little bit about as we were talking about payload on the, on, on, on the network that I, I really didn't reference at, the, at the, the front end of the discussion. I think it's interesting as, as we think about AT&T's journey is that we took a look at some of the trends. Um, we as a company looked at some of the trends relative to, to data growth on our network probably five, six years ago and came to the conclusion that there was really no way that we were going to be able to meet the payload demand of, of what customers really needed without virtualizing our core network. And so we, we went out and, and started to really create uh, an approach where we virtualized elements of our core network and we've now um, virtualized 55% of the network with an objective of hitting 75% of the network by uh, 2020. And really that's all about harnessing Moore's law and, and the ability to add capacity dynamically within the network to support our customers. The reason I mention that is this is what AT&T did for our own core network. And what we're doing now is exposing that same value, those same traits, that same agility and scalability for our business customers and doing it really across the globe. And I think because it's, it's core to our DNA now, um, it's one of the reasons we can do this and do it very effectively and very efficiently. In effect, to me, that's, uh, you know, y you were your own first customer. And so you got it right for your own purposes uh, and you consumed your own capabilities before you even uh, begun offering it to the market. Uh, so I guess that's a, you know, the, the best and the most ideal way to kind of perfect something, isn't it, is to be your own customer. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's been one of the real blessings of being in the role that I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm more on the product uh, delivery side. And to have a technology uh, organization and an infrastructure organization that's 100% aligned with how we're actually delivering capabilities to our end customers 
is is it's like being um you know it's 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 like winning the lottery and uh that's been part of the journey over the last four years and I guess, you know, I've, I've worn a number of hats over the years of the last, uh, I'm going to age myself now, but over the last 35 years in different roles uh, myself, you know, CIO, CTO type roles, I, I've constantly suffered from the sorts of pain points that, that customers are dealing with uh, who come to you. And that is that, you know, if you're a multinational, if you're global, uh, you know, you, you can't have your organization in 10 different countries having 10 different telcos and partners. So I, th- I think one of the big wins now for the market globally is that they can they can come to one partner and they can get a consistent voice and a consistent message and consistent billing. Uh, but it also means that a lot of things around the um, thought leadership piece, uh, the uh, intelligent business report, uh, reading it earlier on, you know, when people are looking at, I, I think there were like three key things that jumped out of for me, and it was like you know speed to market, growing the market share, and regulatory compliance. And I think the numbers where I made a note here, so I'm just going to quote them quickly. 81% of companies that they went to, nearly 800 people they interviewed at C-suite level, 81% of people were interested in speed of market as kind of like their, their primary thing they wanted to hit. And then they, about 90% were concerned of just growing the market share for all the disruptive reasons that uh, you were talking about. Um, but 86% were talking about regulatory compliance. And this is sort of, you know, I guess in many ways, the GDPRs of the world were kind of like the Y2K of compliance for me. Um, but I imagine you're seeing this on a global level. So whether you're talking to someone in North America or Australia or, or wherever it might be, is the voice consistent globally from your experience? Are you sort of getting the same kinds of things coming to you from, from wherever in the globe? Are people sort of facing the same challenges? Or are, is there a particular bent in one area? Is, is you know, security more of a challenge in Europe versus performance in North America or something to that effect? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and there are always going to be nuances in different countries. Um, and you know, a lot of our solutions are available literally in like 200 countries, and so some countries are always going to have some challenges that are unique to those 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 countries. I think, though, at a broad level, the themes are very consistent. Um, whether it's being able to deliver a solution that that meets regulatory requirements or a solution that has a security profile that meets the site-by-site location needs, or just the ability to have a solution that can be managed with one, you know, interface across, you know, multiple locations across the globe. As trivial as that sounds, I'd tell you that's probably one of the things that I hear customers talk the most about is the simplicity in in operating a, a solution that may have been three or four disparate solutions historically that can come together in one interface. Um, and by the way, that can be remotely monitored as opposed to having to have people, you know, sitting in a data center somewhere, you know, across, halfway across the globe. So I think that that all of those things are important, um, and um, you know, all all are things that you know we we grapple with and help our business customers grapple with every day. Um, another thing that they are always looking for is you know driving an ROI on their investment and. You know, that's one of the things that, um, you know, they want to be able to know that whatever they're doing, whatever investment they're making, they want to make sure that it's future-proof and that as technology continues to evolve, are they buying a, a closed system or more of an open um, platform that can enable, you know, future innovation? So that's, that's another theme that I hear a lot from our business customers as well. 
Yeah, the, and I guess that's where the, the key benefits of the transition you made to, I guess, you know, software-defined everything, if you like, you know, software-defined infrastructure, software-defined networking, and even down to network function virtualization and the whole DevOps, orchestration, automation, self-service capability of clicking a button and stand up some capability is that a lot of that technology now is just natively open and you know, still secure and controlled and managed and monitored, as you said, but open in, in, in that is the standard APIs for people to connect with standard interfaces. And we're now not sort of trying to retrofit things that are 90 degrees uh, opposed to each other. They're, they're aligned tightly. It's, and as long as you've got the right governance control, they can talk. Are you seeing a trend? One of the things I was reading in a couple of the blogs that are coming out from the AT&T team globally, uh, are you seeing a trend where... Um, you know, there's obviously disruptors in the space, in, in the startup space and so forth, and new emerging companies. And, you know, the, when people talk about Netflix, they often sort of think it's a new startup. And I sort of remind them that they started shipping DVDs in the post when they were a business in day one. Is there like a startup culture being introduced into some of your clients now where they're saying, you know, we want to leverage that fell and fell fast and startup mentality and be agile and nimble, but we still have the legacy business to run. Is that a thing that's sort of coming to you now? Um, you know what, I, I see that with, um, first of all, internal to my own company, um, as well as with our, our business uh, customers. I think out of necessity, the business, uh, most businesses that I see are going through some sort of digital transformation. And they're having to um, move very quickly, whether it's prototyping, uh, whether it's adopting you know, elements of design thinking, um, it, it really it, it runs the gamut. Um, but, you know, interestingly, I see it, I see it also internally to, to our business um, and the ability to, um, you know, deploy services more rapidly um, and to, you know, create solutions that can evolve very quickly with our, our business customers. Um, so I, I see it on both ends, both internally to, to my business as well as uh, the, the business customers that I interact with. I see a lot of uh, very, uh, I guess, you know, mature thinking in a way um, around the sorts of things you're talking about there where people are now focusing on the outcome they want and they're not over-sweating the detail of how they get that other than they want assurance that it's a good quality service and it's cost-effective. They, they're now focusing on not just their core business but what's the outcome we want and, as you said, how do we get this minimum, right. vi- minimum viable product sort of thinking to get it just working and prove it. There was a phrase someone used the other day which uh, used to be one of my favorites, which is done beats perfect every time. Um, now, I know we're sort of coming up on, on, on your uh, hard stop. Um, one thing I'd love to do before we wrap up is, uh, and we, we sort of talked about this briefly earlier on before we hit record, um, I wonder if you'd mind if I hand you a virtual crystal ball and got you to gaze into it for a moment. The next 12 to 18 months, as you said before, like we're, we're seeing new emerging things we've never thought about. Uh, there's use cases that, that just haven't been imagined either possible before or even you know, do, you know, conceived. Next 12 to 18 months sort of you to just generally gaze in a crystal ball. What, what's your heart tell you that you're, uh, you're seeing over the next 12 to 18 months over the horizon? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you my point of view. Um, and as I look at, my, I, I think about this in the context of Edge Solutions, which is my portfolio. Um, you know, first of all, on, on the land side or the local area network side of my business, I see a convergence between physical and, and virtual infrastructures. The lines are going to continue to blur there. Um, also, the blurring of lines between wired and wireless. As, as I mentioned before, I think 5G networks are really going to create a, a, a whole new set of use cases in, in buildings. Um, 
and you'll see a blurring of the lines between what Wi-Fi does and what a, a, you know a, an LTE network does inside of a of a building. So I think overall the theme on the land side is going to be convergence, and it's going to be you know enabling the the proliferation of endpoints, which is going to continue to accelerate. Um, on the cloud side of my business, I think there are a few things that um, I see coming in the next 12 to to, uh, to to 24 months. So first of all, hybrid cloud ecosystems are going to continue to evolve. I think one of the things that we're going to start to see is an explosion of low latency applications that are going to drive a need for us to really rethink the cloud architecture, um, whereas today a lot of cloud um, applications are either consumed in private clouds or public clouds. You know, one of the things I think that low latency applications would do is force us to really rethink the lines of delineation of where is the cloud and how do you push that closer to the customer so that you can enable, you know, very, very low latency applications, you know, um, both inside a building and outside a building. Um, so I think that'll, that'll continue to take off. And then I think that there'll be a continued need for, you know, um, scalable, extensible platforms. I talked about how quickly the innovation cycles are taking off. And with technologies like software-defined networking and network function virtualization, you really have the ability to have platforms that are flexible enough that as the innovations continue, that they can, you know, be extensible platforms where customers can ultimately change the, the functions that they want to consume on their network over time. Um, and so I think that'll be a trend. We're seeing it now. Um, I think that'll continue to be a trend as we look forward into the future as well. Folks, you've been listening to a great conversation with uh, Josh Goodell, uh, VP of Intelligence Edge at AT&T. Uh, Josh, it's been great to catch up and thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Des.